Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative estites, and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Welcome back to Ciao Bella and welcome back to Italy. Today, I'm really excited because I get to introduce all of you to Susan Van Allen, if you don't know her already. Susan is a playwright, a screenwriter, an author, but more importantly, she is probably, I think, the biggest Italy Italophile, if that's what we want to call it. She, is, <laughs> she loves Italy and has written some amazing books about it, including 100 Places in Italy Every Woman Should Go. Susan, welcome to Ciao Bella. Oh, Ciao Bella, wonderful to see you again. I'm so happy. You know, it's so funny. I, I, I met you. I just remember when I met you, I loved your smile and you were super sweet. And I've been following you ever since that fateful afternoon at um, the Hotel de Russie. Wasn't that amazing? Because I had been a fan of yours also when you were there with um, Arlene. I was. I was with designer, Arlene. Gibbs. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Who was that on Ciao Bella as well. It was amazing. And it was my first time at the Roussier. And I, I had just arrived and I went to the great spa there. And then I ended up putting it in my 100 Places in Italy, Every Woman Should Go book. It's a and in fact, I think you were working on your book stop. when you were there. Is that possible? Yes. Yes. Maybe another edition of it. But anyway, that was that was great. I'm glad we even took it picture of it maybe i can find that and send it back to you well i might have a picture and you know i wanted to tell everyone in spite of her name susan van allen but to me sounds like dynasty i think it's an awesome name you are italian yes on my mother's side and it overshadowed the the whole van uh side but my father was um his his mother was actually from ireland and then the other side is paternal side went back American, but my mother's side was uh, from, my grandmother was from Molise, my uh, papa was from Potenza, and their dining room table in Newark, New Jersey was the uh, Italian-American dream scene where they were so proud to have their heritage celebrate it at Sunday dinners with the ants and the pastas and all the opera in the background. And that's where I really fell in love with Italy at a dining room table in Newark, New Jersey. But it seems like that dining room table inspired you in so many ways for the many facets of your career, of your not even career, because it's like, uh, maybe I should say the many careers, the many directions that you've gone. You know, I know that you wrote a play I know that you were one of the writers on Everybody Loves Raymond, which is very Italian-American. <laughs> yes, it was. And then the first uh, episode I ever wrote for television for that show was called Marie's Meatballs. And it was about uh, Marie, the mother-in-law, making meatballs and, and then Ray's wife, who was an Italian, wanting to learn how, and she just really couldn't get it right. And as it turned out, Marie was holding back on the, on the recipe, uh, which is uh, very Italian, I think. So uh, where are you today? What's, what city would we find you in? I am in Hollywood, California, uh, where I began living when I started writing for television. I'm originally from, I'll say, West Long Branch, New Jersey, on the Jersey Shore, uh, 
but uh, I'm in Hollywood and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back to Italy as soon as it's safe and open and all of that. And in the meantime, I've been enjoying, you know, taking long walks in some ways, Hollywood, the foothills where I live uh, with the palm trees and the cypress trees and the blue skies and the bougainvillea this time of year reminds me of Italy. So Susan, I want to know how one goes from Los Angeles and writing for television to a hundred places in Italy, every woman should go. Well, it all goes back to my passion for Italy, where I first went there in 1976 and just so fell in love with it. And so every time that I had vacation time and the money, I would travel to, to Italy. And it was first, you know, going to the roots, seeing my relatives who actually lived in Eur, outside of Rome. Um, they were originally from um, Potenza, um, and and it's, I kept I kept going back. And then, as television writing in the early two thousands became a little bit less and. I started writing for newspapers, travel sections when they had them, and magazines. And uh, I really started to explore Italian travel. And as I did, the, you know, the people who enjoyed it, I was, I was interested in my readers. And when I went to Italy, I realized there were so many women there uh, that told me Italy feels like home and they weren't Italian American. It was like Betsy Jones and Louise Wright. And I realized that Italy has this thing, especially for women that feels very welcoming and embracing like, oh, this country understands us. And I came up with the theories landing and seeing all the Venuses, the goddess of love and beauty and the Madonna. Yeah, mother of compassion that that we just feel like wow the feminine is really celebrated in Italy and of course everyone loves their mama and um and so that's where a hundred places in Italy every woman should go came from now it's not just a book anymore from what I mean I feel like I mean I know I know it is a book but it's not just a book because you've spawned it into well three other books but also tours Yes. Well, what happened was when I went on book tours for 100 places in Italy, every woman should go. Women started raising their hands and saying, take me with you. Uh, I, that's what I would do. I'd be like, I want to I want to go to all these 100 places yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, I want to go with the with the girl who knows. And I resisted it for three years because it baffled me. I mean, I, I'm very bossy when it comes to Italian travel, actually, with my friends and with my family, like making the list, uh, you know, don't go here, you know, don't order pizza in Venice, that kind of thing. Uh, so finally, I decided, well, I've got to give this a try. I mean, it was just too strong, uh, too strong of a pull. And it has become for the past almost 10, nine years, well, you know, we had to skip this year, sadly. But what's wonderful is that women come, they love having these inside experience. They love the style of slow travel. Like we'll stay in Venice for six nights. Who does that? And we 
they love the personal touch of meeting the chefs and meeting the artisans and they come back year after year. And I get a lot of solo travelers that meet other uh, women and then they meet again on another golden week. So it's, it's been so much fun and really so fulfilling and an extension of my writing where I see like, Oh my gosh, I can see this really in action. So it's great. Well, you go to you go to Sicily, you go to Venice, you go to the lake area, and you go to like the Costiera Malfitana, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, based in Sorrento. That was pretty much the first one that I did, and it seems to be the one that sells like hot pasta. Mm. I mean, all of them are like popular. hot pasta. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really that's really cute. So I'm going to say that I've never said that before. I'm going to steal that from you. Um, I have a question. I, well, first of all, I love that they're called Golden Weeks. I just, I think that's great. It's all women travel, correct? I mean, it's just, it's women yes. only. It's, which is it's, it's women only and women really enjoy it. Some are coming for the first time uh, to Italy on their own. Others have come before with husbands or boyfriends and they enjoy the women only week. I mean, of course, there's plenty of men around flirt with us and treat us wonderfully. And, and we enjoy that too. Now I have a question. hundred yes. places. There's also 50 places in Rome, Florence and Venice. Every woman should go. I want you to give me five off the top of your head. Five oh. places, Erica. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I, I didn't tell you I was going to go. <laughs> no, you didn't tell me I was, but, but okay. I'm, you know, this is like what I'm writing about um, now. You know, I, I love, and it's so not visited the, the Barberini, Palazzo Barberini in, in Rome, which is also the National Gallery of Art. Uh, some, you know, when you want to get away from the crowds in Rome, uh, go to an air conditioned museum. <laughs> I'd exactly. Say. Right. And that one, uh, it was used as a set in Roman Holiday, where Audrey Hepburn uh, uh, lived as the princess. And the art in there is amazing. You have Caravaggio, you have Raphael, you have the, the, the paintings on the ceiling. The Pietro and, da Cortona. Yeah, that oh is. Oh, my gosh. I think it's I think it's so amazing. OK, one, two. I recently wrote about the Villa Oplontis which is uh, in between Herculaneum and Pompeii. And it you're after was, my husband's heart right there. You know that. <laughs> I do. I do. And it was also buried in the 79 AD eruption. And it has, UNESCO says, uh, the most uh, wonderfully preserved wall paintings um, of that of that Roman period. It's absolutely astounding and also so rarely visited. Um, I'm also thinking of, um, I don't know why this is coming to me, Sicily. I love, you know, everybody thinks of Sicily kind of rough and tumble, but the Baroque in Sicily is so, you know, it, Sicilians do things on a big exuberant scale and the Baroque, like the, the town of Noto in mm. Sicily, so beautiful. They call it like a, a sculpture garden. It's just so great. And of course, I love Venice and I take women to the Peggy Guggenheim Museum and tell the story of this wonderful expat who bought 
you know, modern, it supported modern art and um, the museum is what was once her home. So I'm up to four. What am I going to say in Florence? I don't know what comes to me is Vestri chocolate in Florence. It was oh. Leonardo Vestri, uh, a bello, <laughs> a really handsome chocolate maker. I just That's not a, I wasn't even expecting chocolate and, I, not, oh. and, and not oh, even a chocolate maker, a handsome chocolate maker. This is a like, handsome oh. chocolate maker. Yes. So those are five. It kind of shows the span of places that I that I love. So one of the things that when I was talking to you earlier that I, I love about you is I, I mean, I, I, too, am an East Coast Italian-American girl. I, I and I and I also lived in Los Angeles and I, I was just so I'm going to quickly tell you, because I don't think I mentioned this to you. When I lived in Los Angeles, I kind of refused to go to anything that was Italian because I, I grew up with Italians. My, I'm going, coming to Italy all the time because of my family. Um, and I was like, no, Los Angeles and Italians, like there's no good Italian restaurant, none of it. And when I was talking to you, you're like, there's this whole Italian culture. And I was like, what are you talking about? So uh, I want to talk with you about Italy and Los Angeles. Yes, Erica, I, I am with you. I mean, I started my California adventure actually in San Francisco, ah. where there is definitely, uh, people may know, the North Beach Italian-American neighborhood. And, you know, we had our pre-conversation and it inspired me to think about and, and to look into what about these Italians in California? So they did come, many of them, first came of course to Ellis Island and I think and and they came in that period of time where 14 million Italians immigrated during like 1880 to about 1920. Uh, about a third of the population of Italy immigrated away and um, many of them came to uh, to San Francisco because LA was nothing at the time. You know, there was no business. No, it was, it was literally the wild, the edge of the world, the wild west. Right, right. But I love uh, one of the stories that I loved finding was of Ghirardelli, who uh, Dom, Domenica Ghirardelli, um, we know the famous chocolate in yeah. San Francisco. Okay, he came from Rapallo huh. uh, in Liguria. And he actually apprenticed at a chocolate shop in Genova that I know, Romanengo. Have you ever been? It's in the old Carucci of Genova. It's a wonderful chocolate shop. But he first went to South America and then he came, uh, he actually came early in 1849 to Stockton, California during the gold rush and sold candy to the gold miners. And Ghirardelli became this huge chocolate company. And um, also up in, uh, there was um, Giannini, Amadeo Giannini, who started the Bank of America, and his family was Genovese. So when I was in San Francisco, there was all this Genovese, Lucchese. I, it was like in the 80s, and I'd never had pesto before. I, I went to San Francisco because I was raised on the red sauce, you know, Italian-American. So then we go to um, little, there was a little Italy in Los Angeles. Uh, people started coming. Where? <laughs> it, it was downtown. It was downtown near Union Station. Oh. There was actually 
they started coming and they got into farming and fishing. A lot of fishermen, especially in San Pedro, which is southern oh, yeah. uh, Los Angeles, lots of lots of immigrants from Sicily and also from Ischia, where you just were. Oh my God, uh, that's a, I, that's a big surprise. I had no idea. Yes. And in fact, San Pedro is putting together a Little Italy, a, a piazza and everything that was supposed to open at the end of 2019, but in 2020. And the sister city of San Pedro is Ischia. No, is that um, why you knew that the Bagnino at the Mezzatore is from San Pedro, is from Ischia? I mean, yes. Did you oh meet my Giorgio? No, I'm, I got the message after I left and it's crazy, oh. but that's such a, I didn't even, I had no idea of the connection with, I mean, an, a little island like Ischia and San Pedro. That's crazy. Right. Yes. It was a huge, well, they worked for the canneries. That's where chicken of the ah. <laughs> was in San Diego. And they wait, wait, oh, that's crazy yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> del mare. No, it was it was actually, but uh, Italians didn't start the company. But boy, did they support it in the work that they did in the canning, tuna canning and tuna fishing in uh, San Diego, that whole um, southern coast. So there was an Italian American hall built in 1908 in downtown Little Italy. It is now a museum. Uh, Italian American Museum that just opened a few a few years ago and so it's full of like um, costumes and a lot of um, photographs that tell the history of Italian Americans in southern Italy. There's also a church down there, St. Peter's, that was started mostly by the Barese who had their Madonna saint and they would do processions, but it is it's there is still a mass in Italian at St. Peter's Church in downtown. Denver. I had no idea. No yeah. idea. Yeah. And, and they have a church hall there. And I started going. They have a um, Italian-American federation that was like the umbrella organization of about 70 different uh, organ Italian-American organizations, Sons of Italy, Italian-American lawyers, uh, Italian women of Italy. I mean, it was really, really strong. This, um, starting from the hall that would take in the immigrants. I mean, we have to think 1908, there was no unemployment insurance. There was no, you know, for health insurance, just for immigrants first coming. They they helped them out a lot, you know, financially and with education. There was an orphanage downtown started by Mother Cabrini, etc. And of course, we'll think of the great uh, vineyards of California. I and mean, Gallo was actually from that family was from Piedmont, mm -hmm. and um, Mondavi was from La Marche. So Italian wineries, you know, that tradition came to to California, why not? And then um, there were people like um, Frank Capra, whose family was from Bisequina, Sicily. He was a famous director. And he ended up, he said he was raised in the Italian ghetto, which was downtown Los Angeles. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, he came <laughs> over in 1902 when he was five years old and he ended up directing Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It's a Wonderful Life. I mean. Um, I mean, movies that celebrate the American dream. 
really <laughs> great. Yeah. But we want to talk about, I mean, I think the thing that I found missing coming to um, LA was Italian food, right? For sure. For sure. Right. Right. So um, it's a really interesting story about how, I mean, there were the red sauce restaurants uh, that, <laughs> that, that got established with like Fra Frank Sinatra needed, you know, his, right, right, <laughs> his right. Sunday sauce. So he actually, uh, he had a friend from Hoboken, Matteo Giordano, who was birthed by, you know, Frank Sinatra's mother was a midwife. And he grew up with this guy, Matteo Giordano, and set him up with a restaurant in Westwood called Matteo's. Now, this ah, is, yeah. This, you know, Matteo's in Westwood, I mean, it was the red booth, red sauce kind of place. Um, it's changed hands since Matteo Giordano died and it's changed uh, a little bit it's still a little old school but for old school now uh there's a reos that opened about 10 years ago in uh in hollywood and uh you could go there and be met by johnny roast beef who was <laughs> uh martin scorsese discovered him at reos in in new york and uh <laughs> and he was in goodfellows and right. they, you know, they serve a good uh, chicken scarapiello, you know, the, the lemon chicken that's right. real Italian-American. And they and on Sundays, Sunday only, you can go there and you could get a really good ragu that's made with uh, <laughs> short rib and sausage. And, and it's a very lively, you know, kind of an industry place. But uh, also in, uh, in L.A., in... Well, Wolfgang Gang Puck was the big like culinary force for modern Los Angeles restaurants, like in the eighties and the right. 70s. But um, there was the famous restaurant a Valentino. Oh, that's right. Right. Was and that in Century City? It was a weird location. It was actually in Santa Monica on Pico near the yeah. freeway. Yes. 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 And it was started by Piero Salvaggio, who was from Modica. And he came to Los Angeles in, in like the late 60s because his uncle was working at Chasen's and he had never <laughs> been to a restaurant before. You know, Modica is one of the Baroque towns now yeah. in Sicily that's famous for Don Serafino, Michelin star restaurant. When he grew up there, there were no restaurants, you know. So, so he came to Los Angeles, uh, worked as a busboy in Chasen's, and then got the wherewithal to do this restaurant, Valentino, named after Rudolph Valentino. Because, of course, it's Hollywood. Right, <laughs> right it was Hollywood. And uh, it actually got good reviews in the beginning, even though he admits today, like, the food wasn't that great. And people, but people loved coming because he was this great personality. And the people that came in the early 70s pulled him aside and said, like, you've got to get better food. And he, <laughs> went to, and he went to Italy, and he went to Milan. And he, for the first time, he tasted truffles. And he traveled around Italy and he came back more in the later 70s and bought Italian chefs. And this restaurant became the best, rated as the best Italian restaurant in America. Wow. I mean, it, it was the spot in the 80s and 90s and it was expensive and it was white tablecloths and like Sophia Loren went there and uh, presidents and it was, it, it, it was amazing. 
Um, he bought, uh, he had, a, uh, he was famous for his wine list. He had uh, one of the biggest wine cellars in the country. And it was just, it was the place to go. And that was happening in the um, 80s and 90s. And also there was a tiny place on Melrose, I bet you knew it, Anjali Cafe. Yeah, I remember that. Right, Evan Kleinman, uh-huh. who had a great passion for Italian food would do uh, pizzas and panini. And it was the rustic Italian food that people really, really caught on to. Um, it, so so that, that was the birth of it. And also along with, after Piero Salvaggio, there was a great chef, uh, Celestino Drago, and he was from Messina, Messina Sicily. And it's all he, Sicilians, I see. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, it's true. And he came uh, and opened uh, Drago in the 1990s. And it was Oh my God, I forgot about that restaurant. Wasn't that a good restaurant? It was introducing Americans, you know, to taking them away from the red sauce uh, idea and uh, uh, more refinement. And he's just a wonderful personality. His brothers came over and it's Drago is now an empire. He has a place downtown. And um, Piero Salvaggio fr- uh, from Valentino retired. And now he works front of house for Drago in uh, the, the uh, downtown Drago Centro, which is beautiful beautiful place. Um, But there is also a whole new breed of this pizza, pasta, gelato entrepreneurs Hmm. coming from Italy, young people. Um, The the pizza empire, well, Nancy Silverton, we we have to mention. I don't know if you knew when you were here, Mozza Pizzeria. Yeah. Yes. She was inspired by Campo de Fiori's Il Forno. Oh, that's, uh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yes. You know, because, she, because as an East Coaster, I'm going to say one thing. Yes. I never, I could not stand LA pizza. It was uh-huh. really, it was really tough for me. And then, right. and then as an Italian, I was like, there is no pizza here. Ah, exactly. and then mozza. Exactly. Yes. And so she, she um, started mozza pizzeria uh, by really studying the dough that she had loved from the forno she also um lives or has a place in umbria um that she that she goes to a on vacation a house anyway she she partnered with joe bastianich on on that venture that's right Right. So that was that was when pizza started to get good. I think that you had left by then in, in LA. But but the one who has come now from Napoli is Daniela Uditi. Ah. Uh, he, you know him? I know the name. Yes. yes. I've yes. never seen his pizza, though. Yes, it's called Pizzana and Jonathan Gold, um, the late great Jonathan ah, Gold of the LA Weekly. I loved yes. him. I loved him. Yes, he declared his pizza the best in the world. And Jonathan had eaten at, um, you know, the place in Naples, you know, outside Napoli, Franco Pepe's place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and said, there's something about Daniela Uditi. And I have to say, it is incredible. He, even though he's from Napoli, he had an aunt in Caserta who was a very good uh, baker. And he says that there he 
kind of strayed away from that soupy middle Napolitan. He, he even worked at Don Michele um, and decided that he liked his dough just a little bit um, firmer that you could pick up. And so his pizzana, I mean, there were lines out the door. It opened in 2017, um, is puffy and airy and crisper than, uh, than the Neapolitan pizza. And he also has the oven that's made by Stefano Ferrara, who's famous for the most, the best pizza ovens, Neapolitan pizza ovens. And so, He's, he's a humble, humble guy, and he has made my experience in <laughs> Los Angeles of pizza just absolutely extraordinary. And then there are, let's can we talk a little bit about the pasta people, too. Of course. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about the pasta people. This has become a huge thing in the past um, few years. There is... Um, Evan Fonke, who uh, has a book that was co-written by Rome's Italian-American Katie Parla. And he became um, obsessed with making pasta, went for two years to study in Bologna and opened, uh, uh, he, he had worked at Spago for Wolfgang Puck, but then he came back and on his own, uh, with support from people who loved what he was doing, uh, he opened Felix in uh, Santa Monica, which serves um, wonderful, like 10 different kinds of pasta. And he is uh, hailed as one of the world's best uh, pasta makers. Um, he does the little tortellini and all that. And also in Santa Monica, there's a cool restaurant opened by Mario Sabatini, who was from Abruzzo and studied at, at uh, Villa Santa Maria, which is one of the biggest cooking schools in Italy, right? Um, and he came to Santa Monica and opened a restaurant called Forma. And he talks about this, and it, and it specializes in cheeses. There's a cheese bar, but also he makes the cheese in the wheel, which huh. he calls Dalla Forma. And he makes... Uh, he makes the pastas in the wheel. So he'll make cacio pep, you know, in the wheel of uh, pecorino oh, cheese. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah, great, great. And then finally, there is um, Rosso Blue, which is in downtown LA, Steve Sampson, who worked for Piero Salvaggio, hmm. um, bought in a another Bolognese, well, actually it was from Puglia, Stefano Allegro, who is a um, Sfoglino Superiore from um, Bologna. Steve Sanson went to Bologna and, and met him. And Steve Sanson's family is actually, on his mother's side, is Bolognese. And, and Stefano does, uh, you know, the um, I, I've watched him downstairs from the restaurant Rosso Blu, which is named for the Bolognese soccer team, the nickname mm. for the Bolognese soccer team. And I mean, he does that amazing thing where in, you know, five minutes he will roll out a sheet that then he can flip into the air and you can see through. And the pasta at Rosso Blu is extraordinary. And the Bolognese there is you sigh. So there is... Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking on their website. I'm just looking on their website. I mean, the space looks gorgeous. You know, it, what, what I find amazing 
What I find amazing is when I lived in Los Angeles, it was not really like that. There was Valentino, I think Valentino's was still there. And there was, right. Ago, there was Ago and there was like Giorgio Baldi. And that was, that was, right. the, that was the, and then my friend Vito had a pizzeria and that was like the, the, the experience. And one day I was driving down the 10 to work. I worked I lived kind of near where you were, where you are, sorry, uh-huh. in Hollywood, but I worked in Malibu. And so I was going on, I was, I was going on the 10 before I got on the PCH and um, I had a little problem with my tire. So I pulled over and I went to my, like kind of near where that school crossroads is. Oh, my, yes. There, there's like a, there's like a bunch of little side streets that are like warehouses and a lot of mechanics are there. Right. So my mechanic was there. Cause I had this old car and I went over to see him. And so I, I bring my car over and he's like, it's going to be like an hour. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, well, there's like this little, he's like in the other, in the warehouse next to me, there's, there's like a little shop. It's an Italian shop. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go and say hi to them. So I went over and it was like, it literally, it was just, it was a small warehouse, no windows, nothing. And it had shelves full of like Yogi juice. You know, the little juices you get. At- right. <laughs> And I'm, and, and just like, it had like San Carlo chips and I'm like looking around and I was like, or maybe they weren't San Carlo, but the Italian chips that maybe it was Crick and Croc. I don't know. And I'm like, right. Oh my God, that's so weird. It's like, it's like going to an Italian bar. <laughs> so, right. I start, so I started talking to the guy there we're, we're talking Italian and he's like, we're, we're just chatting. And then all of a sudden he's like, do you like burrata? And I was like, I do, but I don't eat burrata in the U S cause it's not here, you know, cause it's like, it has to be fresh right. and all that. Right. And he's like, listen, he's yeah. like, we get it. And he's like, and when we get it, he's like, if you give me your phone number, I'll call you. And if you come and get it right away, he's like, you will be one of the first. He's like, we're the only people that get it. We get it. It's like literally off the boat, but it's off the airplane. It's like this secret Italian club. And he starts naming all these like Italian actors that, that, uh, that were on the list. And I was like, okay, whatever. So one morning I get this call at six and it's like, Erika. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like, come to Mount. He's like, come, come to Santa Monica right now. And I'm like, he's like, I've got the burrata. And that was my, that was like when I was like, okay, like I have a glimpse of Italy right now. <laughs> I, I know. But, I remember that place. Oh but all, but all these, all these amazing restaurants, you know, they weren't really happening yet. So this is, this is incredible. Right. And Italy open. So oh, I no right. longer have to have the experience as I did in 2004, coming home from Genova with my salami packed in my pantyhose. And, <laughs> so like and, my nonna non would do that. She, she'd put it in her bra. She's yeah, like, yeah, she's yeah. like, I look up and Dante this way. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. No, it was, it was packed in my carry-on suit and well, not a carry, but probably in my check suitcase. And, and I thought, I'm just going to wrap it up in my pantyhose. And at, at Kennedy airport, which is where we stopped back from Genoa, I mean, three dogs immediately were on it. And then I had the experience of standing there at Kennedy with them opening my bag and peeling the pantyhose. <laughs> off the salami. Oh, did they take it? <laughs> yes. And then they took it and I saw them heading toward a garbage can. And that was the saddest part. I was screaming, give it to her. I was pointing to the, you know, a TSA person or whatever. Like, do not throw it away. It's delicious. Speaking of salami, and, and I'm going to tie it back to what you said, we started talking about with San Francisco. Did you ever have, what's this? There's like that famous salami from San Francisco. Oh, right. Molinati. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I, when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, because my dad grew up in San Francisco, Italian American, wow. Genovese family. Yes. Uh, and everybody knew everybody else, especially if you were Genovese. And um, 
And, you know, that was like, like everybody, everybody was like, when, when we go to Italy and we come back and they're like, yeah, but the salami is better here. <laughs> and they could get, we go down to North Beach or wherever it was and we got it. And it was like, and we had to tell everybody, yes, you are right. It is better here. Um, it is. It is great. I mean, some of those, that Molinari delicatessen and still exists and you could get a great, you know, sandwich there. So I, I know you do these incredible golden weeks in, in Italy and I can't wait for you to come back and I can see you and I'll, and I'll, and I'll just, I'll follow you around. But I do think it could be kind of fun next time I'm in LA and you're there, we could do it like a, like a mini golden weekend just eating Italian food and seeing what it's like going Italian in Los Angeles. Right, right. And when you mentioned Malibu, we can't forget, you know, the Getty Villa is there, which oh, I've never been. I've not oh been, I've gosh. not been to the new, not, not since it reopened. Oh, and I really want to go. Yes. I mean, it is, it is really fantastic. I can't wait to get back there now that it's open. How about, so. how about there's that house? So it's in Hollywood. It's like, Maybe on Third Street and it's below you. Oops, my dog says oh, hi. Oh, with all the David. Yes, yeah. We got to bring yes. that up if we're going to talk about the Getty Villa. Then we have to talk about that house. Yes, you know, but that was sold and they were taken down. Oh, no, no. There was always that experience of driving by and thinking about that guy. Right. Yeah. I, I, I loved it because it was just it was just a little it was a little Italy um, about I don't know how many Davids he had like ten. <laughs> Yeah, just all across the top. I mean, but that's what, you know, we said this before that we love about Los Angeles. It's so open and welcoming to creative spirits. And so many Italians have come here and, you know, they love it for the weather. They love it for all the farmlands and the fresh ingredients. And they love it for this open spirit that it has. Well, speaking of open spirits, I have another question for you. Yes. When, when you come back to Rome, I'm sorry, when you come back to Italy, what are the three dishes you need to have or the three food, whatever? What are like the three things you're like, okay. I mean, I know we talked about great restaurants in Los Angeles, but what, right. what are you missing? Oh, cacio pep. I don't think, you know, I, I want to go to Armando Pantheon and have that. And, you know, just the cornetto con albicocca marmalata. I would really? love to. Yes. Like warm. I, I, we can't get good cornetto here with the albicocca. You know, yes. That's my favorite. And uh, what else am I thinking? You know, the really grit, the, the, the pesto, from, you know, in Genoa at uh, Genovese, Roberto makes that. I mean, it's, it's unbeatable. I, no matter what happens here, you just, it's the, the pesto is different. Those tiny leaves in Genova. You know, it's so, it's so funny. I always, I, I feel like pesto, like pasta con pesto is like the most underrated and it's, I forget about it. And it's like a sleeper dish in my opinion. Pesto is like a sleeper ingredient that, that when, like, if you, you know, I, I forget about it and then all of a sudden it'll come to my, come to mind and I'll get fresh pesto and I'm like, wait a minute how come I haven't been doing this every single day? Oh, like, ah. so good. Oh, it's, and then I think about bacala manticato. Oh my is, God. That's oh the, my one of my God. favorite things. Yes. It's like, well, how do we call it? Creamed cod. It is so good. I love all the right. chiquetteria in, in, um, in Venice yes. specifically. For, yes. I could eat bacala I go to every Cantanone, day. You know, there are places that I know I'm just going to get off the plane and run directly to you know, certain spots. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing you when you come back to Italy, but I'd love for you to share with everyone where they can find out, where they, where they can find your books, where they can find your articles, where they uh, can find you. Me, just SusanVanAllen.com. Perfect. And I know you write for, you, you write for tons of magazines. Right. I'm doing something for BBC Travel now about, Ooh. oh, the Appian Way Archaeological Parco, actually. Oh, and that's just around yeah. the corner. Such a great place. Right. Uh, people just, um, you know, I really want to promote people staying a little longer in one place in Italy. And, you know, when in Rome, get out to the Appian Way, see, you know, go to the Austria Antica Roma and mm. um, get some nice quiet time out there. It's just beautiful. We yeah. love it. We like to ride bikes out there. And yes. And we always laugh because inevitably we're, we're in the, the sheep traffic jam because yeah, <laughs> the shepherds come walking and all of a sudden you're literally in a sheep traffic jam. It's so funny. It's so amazing. And you're 10 minutes away from, you know, Rome with, you know, the traffic jam. It's, it's the countryside is so close. I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful things about Italy. And, and, and actually in particular, one of the things I love about Rome is Rome is, you know, it's an, it's the oldest city it's, but it's a contemporary city. So it's got, you know, the all, all the trappings of a contemporary city-ish kind of you know we've got buses and congestion and and chaos um but we still have the shepherds that bring fresh ricotta every single morning to certain mm. salum, you know salumeria i mean it, like it's just like right. they, and and there's still shepherds that are roaming those areas like it's i, I love that and actually that reminds me i yeah. think tomorrow i want to get some fresh ricotta good i'm going to write that down <gasps> Oh gosh. Oh, With a little bit of honey. Just just a nice little a light yes. breakfast. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it is it is so amazing. I gotta say. And and your show. I, I'm so you're helping me through this being away from Italy time. I'm so enjoying on my walks through the Hollywood Hills, looking up at the palm and cypress trees and listening to you talk about Sant'Eustachio and all these great places. So thank you. Well, I'm so glad that you could share all your great places with us. So thank you so much for joining me on Ciao Bella. And everybody, take a look at her website, Susan Van Allen, S-U-S-A-N-V-A-N-A-L-L-E-N.com. I can't believe I just did that off the top of my head. Oh, great. <laughs> um, and I didn't usually, usually, usually I'm, I'm a tongue twister. I trip over everything. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Erika. And I'll, I'll see you in Rome. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. Hey, thanks for listening. You can follow Susan Van Allen on Instagram at Suze Van Allen, S-U-Z-V-A-N-A-L-L-E-N, and catch up with her on her latest books and tours on www.susanvanallen.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao, Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafirpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafirpo. Ciao, Bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta and Disc to Disc Studios 
the producers of Ciao Bella who continue to make me sound and feel great. 